This is a Drive to Succeed podcast where we feature inspiring entrepreneurs, thought leaders, influencers, and seasoned professionals to help you jumpstart your career and your entrepreneurial journey. Welcome back to the Drive to Succeed podcast. My name is Daniel, the host of this show. By the way, if it's your first time tuning in today, I just wanted to acknowledge you for investing your time with me and I'll do my best in my power to make it valuable to you as much as possible. As you already know the universal law of the more you put in, the more you're going to put out. So I would recommend if there is a part of this episode that resonated with you, might be a phrase, might be a quote or a takeaway, write them down in a piece of paper or save it in your mobile device so you can review and relearn and extract as much value as you can. Today's episode 14. Meet Rohit Basi, a global conference speaker who has presented in major conference and trade show here in the UAE and abroad. At the end of this episode, you'll be learning what executive presence is all about and why it has a huge ROI in your business. Rohit also shared his insights about the six timeless principles of success and discover why it's important as a public speaker to be relatable to his or her audience and why breaking down complex ideas into digestible, simple, actionable steps will make your presentation remarkable. Learn how Rohit deals with stage fright and discover the difference between public speaking, training, and coaching. And learn the very secret behind the principle of Ho'oponopono and how it will affect your overall relationship. And lastly, he also shared the Japanese formula for happiness, also known as Ikigai. So without further ado, let's welcome the one and only Rohit Basi. Welcome back to the Drive to Succeed podcast. We have a very special guest today, Rohit Basi. Thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. Thank you for me for allowing me to be here. You're welcome. Um, so the first time we got in touch is through LinkedIn. Correct. And I'm really interested in you because, uh, to be honest, I've seen your profile. I've seen you speak in YouTube and in ATM. I haven't seen you speak personally, but that's what makes me intrigued because you were always out there in public doing public speaking. And I, I told myself, how come I didn't met this guy yet? <laughs> you know? it, it's interesting. I mean, I'm doing another talk coming up, uh, SME World Summit. Uh, in uh, I think it's on the 14th of March, and then I'm going coming to ATM again, and then I'm doing a cu- couple of speaker tours towards the Far East later on. Um, I've been around for a while, I would say. Yeah. Um, people have labelled me as an introvert, although I believe everyone has an introvert and an extrovert personality to them. Uh, so you could say my preferred personality is towards the introvert. I like my long time. Uh, I. It re-energizes me. That's what it does. I sit in my garden and take it easy. Uh, and I do what I need to do. There are a lot of people who are out there who you see, uh, especially social media being such a uh, big thing. Understood. A lot um, of people being there. Let me just uh, stop you at that. Uh, we're going to discuss it later. Yeah. Uh, but for those of uh, the first-time listeners who haven't heard of you yet, yep. uh, who is... Rohit Basi. Okay, who who am I? Um, I'm just a human being just like you or anyone outside there. I'm doing what I love the most and 
that is not necessarily delivering my message, but what my passion is. And uh, that is to one, one of the things which I focus on is, is something which is defined as executive presence. And um, executive presence has elements, three core elements to it, which is intelligence, communication, and emotional wisdom. And it's the harmonious integration of these three things. So when I'm on the stage, when I'm coaching or workshop, uh, doing workshops, these elements come into it. So I take my talks or whatever I do, even in my life, from a very spiritual perspective. I'm not going to say religious, but a spiritual perspective. You want to call it the universe, God, Allah, Krishna, Ram, you can, Jesus Christ, whatever you want to call it to me, or the mysterious force, or as Star Wars says, the force. Yeah. Uh, uh, so I, I take my inspiration from that perspective. And that's how I look at every interaction I do with someone, be it on my, in my personal time or with my work itself. It's, it's looking at it from that aspect. That doesn't mean that I don't get angry. I get angry as well. Yeah. Um, and that's telling me that I need to clean myself up. Yeah. You know, it's something I've got into my reality. I need to clean it up. I understand. And I wanted to uh, focus more into your professional life as a public speaker. And of course, uh, before it all happens, before you became a professional public speaker, what is your life? For that. Very few people are aware of it and you, you can clearly see the data is out there. My LinkedIn profile clearly states it and for people who've seen my CV can see it as I'm from an IT background. Not a sales background but a pure techie geek. I have worked as a sport engineer. I worked uh, as a system administrator and um, one fine day uh, I was this was in one of my work when I was back in the UK. I'm born and brought up in the UK. I've been here in Dubai over, uh, coming to about 13, 14 years. Um, so how does the transition from IT, because um, when I think about IT and you're training IT people, you're thinking about maybe some flowcharts, um, you know, this IT stuff. Yep. And training technical, I mean, training in a technical term can sometimes be really boring. Yes. And so how does it work for you? I mean, where do you find that energy and that passion to teach that and transition? For me, I would have to say one of the people who got me moving towards more of the public speaking presentation training side of things is one of my managers back in the UK, uh, Craig. And um, he saw something in me where I could connect with people. And because I was able to connect with people, he wanted me to start training people as well and that's what I started doing now talking about technical people and non-technical people because technical stuff can be very heavy uh, technical stuff can be very heavy and people find it um, and delivering to technical people can be tough because they really drill in into the information um, the way I did it was make those people see things more from a day-to-day -day basis what things how things happen and when now I do my work with non-technical people or with all the work which I do specifically, we're talking about um, executive presence, be it in sales or the way you present in front of people, 
how can you make it easier for people to connect with you? And I think real life examples, real life stories play a big part in that. Even if you look at nowadays with a lot of the apps which we have out there uh, or the services, at one time or the other, they were manually based. And now they are using technical processes to get them working. You look at companies like Uber, you look at companies like Amazon, uh, even if you look at, to a certain point, Facebook. This we used to do manually, but now we do it on, uh, over the internet using technology. Yes. Because as soon as you relate to people something in their language, when I say in their language, in real life terms, people get connected to it much quicker. It becomes practical in their lives. And that's what I learned from a technical field is make it practical to the person's life, to people's life. Slowly the transition happened. It wasn't easy. When I wanted to go into this, no one gave me the opportunity. But that never made me stop. It made me think, okay, and it was not a call that I'm going to prove everyone wrong. I don't need to prove anyone wrong. I just wanted to do it. So... While I was in my IT roles, and I became a head of client services as well, I developed myself. So what you saw on the outside, people never knew what was happening at the back side. I understood. And what is your, uh, real curious, what is your childhood look like? Are you always an extrovert or introvert? And there's also um, uh, a term that you call that you're... Um, uh, what you call this, a situational extrovert, that you are an extrovert where, where you're in a certain environment. Like, I know some people where they are public speaker, when they're on the stage, they're like very, you know, mm. outgoing, very energetic. Yep. But when they come off the stage, they were like very shy, you know, I don't want to talk to people. Um, when I am on the stage, I'm out there. I'm not yahoo, ha, 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 ha. I'm not. You will see high energy, definitely. There is no gimmick to what I'm going to do. It's getting to the hearts of people. That's how I work. While I'm in that scenario, I will talk to people. It's not that I will, oh, I'm off the stage now. I will in integrate with the people. I will talk to them. Because they've, the, I have to show them the respect. And I really appreciate the fact that they've come to see me, to listen to me. And I owe it to them to talk to them not to hide behind a screen or hide behind the curtain. So I will go out there for them because my role over there is to serve them. That's what it is. And I will go out there. Now, otherwise, if you now ask me, hey, right, let's go down for drinks somewhere, <laughs> I'm a bit hesitant. You know, it's, it's not my way of uh, connecting with people. So there's elements where, yes, I'm extrovert as people label label it or introvert as people label it i'm a mixture of both like anyone else and are you always like this growing up as growing up oh that's a very very good question i need to ask my mom <laughs> about that i can i used to work i used to study in a boarding school okay in my younger days uh, and uh, i truthfully hated it um, why, why do you hate it because i was See, I'm born and brought up in the UK. I was sent to India for my boarding school. And the reason I hated it is because people, the Indians, although I'm Indian, but the Indians' kids didn't see me as Indian. They saw me as a British person. 
Mm, because the way you speak with an accent and... To a certain extent, and because of the history between uh, Britain and India, they, for some reason, kids have a very strange way. They saw me as a traitor. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, so I, I didn't have, I had a tough time where I just had to stand up for myself. So I used to be, I didn't have many friends at that time. I used to have maybe one or two, but otherwise used to be on my own most of the times. Um, so where did this energy came from, you know, because you have like two friends, one or two friends during your, your childhood, or you can say you're out during your, um, when you're studying in the boarding school, but now you're speaking to a massive audience. So how does it work? I mean, what kind of transition goes and, you know, what are the things that goes inside your head, you know, when, you, when you're going into that? Uh, I've always loved drama, mm -hmm. acting. And when I was in the UK, I did my GCSEs. I got a grade A in my drama. My drama teacher had requested my parents that I go to drama school mm -hmm. rather than take the usual route of doing other subjects. Drama school is different from acting school? Or? Yes, so drama acting school. That's what they wanted me, This the drama teacher wanted me to do. Uh, instead of my A-levels, wanted me to go and do that. My parents were not up for it. So I did the conventional studying. Uh, so it was always there. So the stage was a place where I uh, could release my energy, you could say that. And it, it made me feel connected with people. Mm -hmm. that's, that's what the stage made me do. Uh, so I think that's one place where it came from. And then when I was working uh, for one of the companies back in the UK, I came across they call soft skills training. Okay. I was like besotted. I was like, wow. I was maybe, I think, 24. It's like, wow, something like this exists. Because it was not about, it was basically, you're standing up there and you're actually help educating people, but not your traditional way of educating. And I wouldn't even say education. It was more of workshops. It was more of practicality, which got me, how do I do this? Mm -hmm. I really want to do this. Yeah. That's where it kind of set in as like, I want to do this because it just felt right for me. Understood. And uh, when you're speaking in stages, how do you, you know, overcome stage fright? I'll tell you a secret, which is no longer going to be a secret. Yeah. Every single person who goes on the stage has stage fright. Mm -hmm. Even while I'm talking to you, I have a certain amount of fright of a stage fright over here. This is a different type of stage. Yes. <laughs> the stage fright makes me more attentive and more aware. Mm -hmm. That's where my focus turns towards. For many people, the focus turns towards, oh no, what's gonna go wrong? While for me, I shift it and say, I need to be alert and I need to be aware. I make mistakes. That's the reason I get myself recorded to see where I need to improve. I sometimes stutter while I'm speaking or I miss out on words. It's not necessary or because of stage fright. It's just because I've lost the thought process. But the way I manage stage fright is looking at it as the fright as a my angel saying to me, be alert, be aware. That's how I see it as. And so it converts for me that way. Understood. And um, obviously you speak to a lot of um, conferences. Uh, you were a TEDx speaker once. Yes. Uh, what are the topics that you discuss in your talks? Now, the three core topics which I focus on, 
The main where it starts from is something which I call uh, executive presence. It's not what I call, you see it in the market. Um, this is a terminology which is used across the globe called executive presence. The Western world looks at executive presence from a perspective of appearance and style. I've been brought up in a society, yes, I've been brought up in the Western world, but my heritage is Indian, so there's that Eastern element. So I've never been able to connect to it. So I came with my own take on this from India. I use the word called Jigra. Jigra means? Jigra means brave heart. Mm -hmm. Someone who has resilience, someone who has grit. And so in the corporate world or in the business world or in the modern term, you will call it executive presence. It's a combination of three elements, intelligence, communication, and your emotional wisdom, integrating it with harmony. You know, you have to get it integrated because all three things help you. So that's one element. So now if you look at underneath that, you've got things coming like your critical thinking, your creativity and innovation, the way you present yourself to other people. So it's not just about style, mm -hmm. not just about appearance. It's many things. So that's one side of things. The other topic which I do is called uh, success mastery. Now, I take a different look at it. I call it celebrate your failures or can we celebrate our failures? If you are not aware of what failures are, you will never know what success is. We live in a world of duality. You need to be aware of those times when you're failing, not to think of those as failures. Unfortunately, from a young age, we've been conditioned when something doesn't go right, that it's a failure. But it's not really a failure. It's a learning process. And we need to learn from that. It's only when we grow up, we learn that it's meant to be a learning process, but because from a very young age, it's conditioned into us, we think it's a failure, but it's not. So there's different, so I, I use, it, under that talk, I usually have these uh, six timeless acts of, uh, timeless principles of success. Really, and what are those six? So the first one, I'll give you a couple of one. The first one, which I say is, know your BS. You're probably thinking BS, uh, so I'll call it know your belief systems. <laughs> <laughs> Understood. Okay, so, um, I was recently um, listening to Dr. Hu Lin and Dr. Joe Vitali. And um, Dr. Hu Lin, he talks about he's passed away. He's, uh, he was an amazing individual where he helped a lot of people through something which is called Ho'opono. Ho'opono. Mm -hmm. ho -o, ho -o, and what does it mean? It means, it literally means, it's, it's, it's four statements. And it's all about cleaning yourself. Getting rid of that BS. Belief system. Yeah. So it's getting to what Joe Vitale calls it as zero limits. When you're in that state, in that zero limit, in that peaceful state, actions just automatically happen. You get inspired to do whatever you need to do. So the four statements which go in there, it says is... I'm sorry, please forgive me, thank you, I love you. Can you repeat them again? I'm sorry. I'm sorry, mm -hmm. please forgive me, thank you, I love you. Now, when you listen to the doctor talk about this, it's, it's very interesting because he says, stop getting into your intellect. And again, he talks from a universal perspective. So I've got one doctor who talks about that. I, I know of my own, one of my own teachers whose name is Dr. Ramesh Segu. He's based in Dubai. 
he has a similar act or similar process which he calls the solution. Mm -hmm. Again, it's about knowing your BS and cleaning it off. So that's one of the acts. The other acts, which is ikigai. ikigai. It's a Japanese term. Absolutely. People say it's knowing about your purpose. I think you need to go a bit more deeper into it, where it means is firstly find out what is really important to you. Coaches, trainers, speakers, they always talk about what do you want, what do you want, what do you want. I think some, some, um, most of the coaches think that that's the million-dollar question. When they do coaching, what do you want? And yeah. then they, they provide a solution and, you know. I look at it from a perspective of what is important to you. And that's what Ikigai is all about, is what is important to you? Now, it can be many things which are important to you. And if this is important to you, start, you start focusing towards that mm -hmm. rather than want. Because, see, there's nothing wrong with wants. What happens with wants is they're endless. And once we get attached to it, and the more we attach to something, the more trouble we create for ourselves. So if, if you turn the question around and say to you, what is important to me? You suddenly realize, whoa, social media, is that really important to me? Instagram, Facebook, is that really, really going to make a change, a difference? Is going to elevate me in my life, mm -hmm. be it in my personal life, be it in my work? Is it really going to do it? Yeah, um, we talked about it offline earlier, but I'm just really curious, what are your thoughts on social media? Because as a speaker yourself, you've been around for a while now, but you don't have much that online presence. Now, speakers, coaches, and you know, every celebrities out there are capitalizing and leveraging hmm. attention on social media. Why have you not thought about it yet? And you know, what are your thoughts on social okay. media? I think social media is a wonderful tool. It's amazing, it's beautiful, it helps you with your marketing, and there's a lot of um, stuff which is not really required on social media. It's like any tool. If I give you a knife, you can use it to cut fruits, vegetables, or you can use it as a weapon. So I think it's a wonderful tool. I come from an IT background, I love online, I love technology. Uh, and online is something amazing which makes communication happen very quickly. As far as my presence is concerned, I have my YouTube, I have my Instagram, I have my LinkedIn. Now, maybe I have not found the formula where the engagement is not happening. I have gone out to certain agencies to help me out. Most of them are cowboys. Sorry to say, but the, number, the numbers, the people I've interacted with, the pricing is extremely high. And they talk about engagement and likes when you're running a business it's not about engagements and likes it's about conversions yes okay i may have no likes but most of my work comes from social media referrals and how do people find you they find they read a linkedin article they've seen a youtube video they've seen someone sp speak about me so majority of business comes from referrals then social media comes in play and how about word of, word of mouth marketing? So when I say referrals, it's word, word of mouth. Understood. So that's where it comes. What these people do is, hey, I've seen Rohit. Here's a link to his YouTube video. Here's an article which you like of his. I have. I have. If you look at my LinkedIn uh, profile, I've got over 280 articles over there. Mm. And if you write it by yourself? I write most of the articles myself. Then occasionally I get some help from some people where editing-wise I'm not clear or my thoughts are not coming out. I know but the you concept. have the thought there. Yeah, I have the thought process. So they help me create it. But majority of the light, right, is written. Then I've got my videos. I've got over 100 videos on YouTube. 
I've got my Instagram post as well, so it's it's a different generation Instagram. Facebook, I'm not a great user of it. I'm still there from a uh, visibility perspective. So one of the business groups which um, I was a part of, uh, BNI, mm -hmm. one of the greatest things which I've learned from them is visibility, credibility, profitability. Visibility, credibility, focus on that, and the profitability will come. When you're running a business, it's converting it. Now, but now if you compare it to many of the other people, I don't have many subscribers. The reason why I don't have any subscribers is because honestly, I have no clue how to, you know, what is the formula behind that. Maybe we can talk about it later. <laughs> yeah, we can talk about it because I've, I've, I've spoken to a number of agencies. Yes, we'll do this X, Y, and Z, nothing. Yeah. It's all about likes and engagement. And it's like, okay, fair enough. Yeah. What about the conversions? You know, I need you as a business, when you're running a business, you want people to connect you, have a query with you. So LinkedIn, I get a lot of engagement happening. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And how many uh, stages do you speak um, in a year? Or like how many appearances do you? That's a good one. See, now, the industry, you can look at it from a perspective of you've got speakers, you've got training, and you've got coaching. For me, all of them are a stage. So in any one year, you, you're looking at anything between... Um, 50 to 100 engagements. That's approximately... And it, it varies from corporate to trainings to one-on-ones. Yeah. Recently, uh, past three years, because I've been focusing more on, on the stage as a speaker, that started to increase quite significantly. As a corporate speaker. Yep, that's absolutely right. So that's why I had the ATM. Um, the TEDx was very strange because the TEDx happened because I had a student come into my workshop over seven years ago. And uh, she called me up. She said, do you want to be on the TED stage? I said, yeah, where, when? She said, no, no, no. You need to apply. And I'm going to talk to the committee if they are willing to take you on board. But there's no guarantee you're going to get it. But apply. And what is the criteria to be on, on the TED? Okay, so TEDx? they want something which is unique, which, is, um, which has the research back backing as well, and something which people remember. Now, I have this great affiliation with compassion. So my talk was called The Miracle of Compassion. And um, TED, the TED platform is probably the only place where I've seen compassion spoken about the most. And when I started my business, my whole point was from coming from a compassionate perspective. Many people said to me, well, most people said to me, business and compassion doesn't go together. Yeah. I'm still here. I'm still here. And that's always been my thing. In the beginning, it was not in the forefront. Now it's in the forefront where I say, you know, inspiring trust and compassion to achieve ROI. Mm -hmm. That's what I, I tend to focus on. Mm -hmm. And I think that's also what you are called now, Roy Bassi. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting you, you picked that up. So last year I was um, out and about on one of my tours and I was sitting on the bed <laughs> and I was thinking, because previously... The, uh, was known as in learning as a brand out there and I said okay it's fine I like it and suddenly I realized my name at home is ROI Roy I was like and I've been called that for god knows how many years and I said ROI return on investment how come I'm not using it as a brand because people who interact with me, they do get a return on investment mm -hmm. or beyond return on investment. Yeah. So might as well use it as a brand. Even when I use a name or I say something, for me, it has to be ethically, morally correct. 
I'm not just going to do something for the sake of someone else saying it. So th there's this notion of people saying, fake it till you make it. Yeah. I prefer saying, faith it and you will make it. Faith it and, and you, you will, will make, make it. Okay. Understood. And uh, so before my final question, uh, we can speak about this for hours and yes, hours. Yes, definitely. <laughs> Where can people find you or how can people reach you? Okay, so obviously now they've listened to your show. Yeah. Uh, they can find me through you. My website, ROI Talks, R-O-I-T-A-L-K-S dot com, Roy Talks, mm -hmm. ROI Talks. That's one place. You can email me at ROI at ROI Talks dot com. So those are the two places. You'll go over there. You'll see the sh social media links, the videos, uh, the blogs, whatever you want to do. You can connect with me. So I guess my last and final question to you, if everything is stripped away from you, your business, everything, your wealth, whatever your status is right now, your income, what would be your main drive to succeed? What would be my main drive to succeed? What I do, I love it. I will keep on doing that. For me, a drive to succeed is simply to serve others. That's it. There is this great talk about you need to hustle to succeed. You need to focus rather than hustle. Focus rather than hustle and you will succeed. So for me is serving others in whatever way best possible. Today I'm doing this. Tomorrow maybe I'll find another way to serve people. But in this day and time, at this moment in time, the way the universe has kept me, this is what I need to do. This is what I'm doing. Tomorrow maybe I won't be on the stage, maybe I'm doing some other stuff, maybe or I won't stop doing everything and I'll just sit by the beach. So it's wherever the universe takes me, that's where I'll go. And any final words uh, for our listeners who wanted to start a career in you know, public speaking? It's a wonderful, wonderful experience. It's strange you say, ask that question because a couple of weeks ago, a young teenager said to me, oh, I want to be a public speaker. I said, wow, that's great. They didn't know that I'm a public speaker. And I said, so what's the reason you want to be a public speaker? Because I want to be famous and I want to make money. <laughs> great. You've got clarity. That's amazing. But it's not that easy either. There's, there is work which goes into it. Like I said, I didn't just come on the stage straight away. I was in IT for such a long time and I made the shift. Now people see me as, oh, he's a public speaker. He's a coach in executive presence. Yeah, that's how they see it. They see that he's a, he inspires people. But if you had met me earlier on when I come for the, into Dubai, oh, he's in IT, that's it. It takes time. You have to groom yourself. You may have the talent. Talent is great, but if you're not going to do anything with it, it's useless. You have to do something with it. There's some amazing, talented people out there, but they do nothing with the skill which they've been given. And this is, you know, the universe has given it to them in their lap, but they do nothing with it. But then there comes someone else who likes that talent, doesn't know, is no good at it, but works on it, and they excel. Because they work on it. They have a passion for it. They want to do it. So you need to find your passion, have a right intention, and of course, work on it so you can, you know, become a great public speaker one day. In anything which you do. 
That's what you need to do. <laughs> and I said, faith it until you make it. <laughs> <laughs> faith it and you will make it. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Uh, so, Rohit, thank you so much for sharing your journey with us. Uh, for for our listeners who wanted to know more about you, they're going to you know visit your website. And you, you have a book as well called Success Mastery. Absolutely. So we can give them some copies, yes. whoever, you know. Absolutely. So what we can do is for your listeners. So I'll give three books away. And also, that. so they have a choice. Okay, they have a choice where I'm going to give three books away. So, or they can have a hour's coaching session with me on public speaking. They have a choice which one they want. So in fact, what you'll have is six giveaways, <laughs> if you think about it this way, with your speakers. All right. Thank you so much, Rohit, for My your pleasure. time. And uh, see you in the next episode. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening in this episode. And if there's one thing that you learned from this episode, I hope and challenge that you apply it in your life. Because that's the reason why this podcast exists, is to add value in other people's lives to make an impact and serve more people too. Like Roy, you and I have a purpose. There's a reason why you and I are put into this earth. There's a reason why you and I encounter trials, pain, and suffering. I don't know where you're coming from. I don't know where you're listening into. I don't know what kind of circumstances you are in. I don't know if you've been brought up in a dysfunctional family or you're born with a disability. Or you've been told your whole life you're not good enough, you're not great enough. But despite all the negative circumstances, upbringing, and problems and rocks being thrown at us, here's what I know. You and I live more stronger. Live fierce than ever. So my question to you is this. Would you deprive people of your story? Would you keep the life lessons you've learned throughout this journey? Or would you continue to fight? For all those people you know who can stand up for themselves. Would you use your own voice, your story, your life testimony and use it for the benefit of many? If you're someone who has a powerful story to tell that will make a huge impact into the world and yet don't know how or simply would like to find and develop your own voice, whether you want to increase your influence online or offline or would like to start your own podcast, or get a job promotion by the use of positive storytelling and provide value to the world, I want you to go to my website, which is www.thedrivetosucceed.com. Just enter your first name and email address and I'll take care of the rest. Or simply DM me on Instagram at thedrivetosucceed underscore podcast or on my personal account, Daniel underscore Francisco underscore and I'll revert back to you as fast as I can. Thanks again for joining us at the Drive to Succeed podcast. If you're enjoying learning from this podcast, you can show your support by sharing and rating this on iTunes or Stitcher, and sharing it with your friends on social media, and tag us on Instagram at the Drive to Succeed underscore podcast. Thanks once again for joining us. See you in the next episode.